Well, hello, fellow constitutionalists, and welcome to the Dan Clements Show podcast, episode 990, a Christian political podcast. I'm your host, Dan Clements, your constitutional warrior, fighting for your right just to be an American. It is February 4th in the year of our Lord, 2021. Remember, we're hyphen-free, PC-free zone, God is stolen control, and he does love, love you. And I'm broadcasting from the Hemlock Studios here in the beautiful central Susquehanna Valley in the great Keystone State. And I got a... I don't know if it's a special one, but uh, it's a. Uh, it might be long. I'm going to try to keep it as short as possible so I don't bore you half to death. But um, I titled this podcast today "Biden, Transgenders, and Religious Liberty." Now, you might you might be wondering why I'm I'm putting all these in the same category uh, with each other, and and it's just I save these things to my. I send links to the articles in my email and then I go through them and I try to just look at them and see what I can put together as a podcast show. And I normally I'd only do one article at a time, but I'm way behind on my podcast. I try, I'm trying to do more podcasts per week and I'm failing miserably. Uh, hopefully this makes up for a little bit. I got three articles that we're going to talk about today. One's a uh, article by Dan Greenfield out of Front Page Magazine called Unite and Heal with Show Trials and Fascist Purges. And he's talking about, uh, obviously, President Biden. The next one is uh, an article by Joe Pullman, or Joy Pullman, and it's entitled 10 Steps for Resisting Joe Biden's Order to, Order to Transgender Public Schools. And that one's pretty much self-explanatory. And then finally, uh, a gentleman I've, I've talked about years ago, Ryan T. Anderson, uh, he's got an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal called Religious Liberty Isn't Enough, and we'll get into that. I'll leave that title all by itself there, but we'll get into that a little bit more. If you know anything about Ryan T. Anderson, I'll give it away just a little bit. Uh, he talks a lot about uh, abortion. So uh, without further ado, we're going to get into the, um, uh, the program. Now, this article here from, from uh, Front Page Magazine, like, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to have in the show notes page here on the podcast, I will have uh, all the links to all these articles so you can go and um, uh, enjoy reading them for yourselves. And if you're anything like me, if I read things for myself, I tend to remember them longer. So, uh, <laughs> oh. This first one by Dan Greenfield was posted on uh, January 29th of this year, and it's entitled Unite and Heal with Show Trials and Fascist Purges. Uh, He starts off the article with Enjoy Unity at Gunpoint in the Bidenist Banana Republic. Uh, Now, Daniel Greenfield is a Shillman Journalism Fellow at the Freedom Center, is an investigative journalist and writer focusing on the radical left and Islamic terrorism. And I'm just going to go over a few things here at the beginning and just leave the rest to you and make some comments on it. Joe Biden has called for unity and healing, and nobody knows as much about healing as Joe, whose wife has a doctorate in education from the university that hosts his Biden Institute and the Bo Biden Foundation, which was charging $3,000 for lessons on preventing online child sex grooming even as Hunter's laptop with the foundation sticker allegedly showed him doing. Y'all remember the, the, Biden, the Hunter Biden laptop that mysteriously 
is supposed to be still in FBI hands and are supposed to be investigating that, but we haven't heard hiding her hair of that laptop uh, for a long, long time. So it makes me wonder about what's going on with that. Uh, and like I said, they're pretty mum about what's going on with that. Uh, except maybe Joe's brother who took out $650,000 in personal loans from a company that bankrupted local hospitals while trading on his brother's name and connection to his campaign. I think this has to happen, Biden said, mandating the show impeachment trial of his predecessor. And I just uh, uploaded a, a video today talking a little bit about that, about the impeachment, although I was in another video uh, I was talking about another video I did uh, about if the government, if, if the Constitution doesn't say it, the government can't do it. And that riled some feathers uh, on uh, that actual video there as far as when I was sharing it to YouTube or um, Facebook and, and some of my other social media accounts. But um, Biden is behind the impeachment. You know, he's not behind it, behind it. He is. Uh, putting the presidency behind the uh, the show trial impeachment of uh, President Trump. Uh, there's a lot of things that are moving parts that are going on right now uh, with that. Um, and they want the House impeachment managers want President Trump to testify at the trial, which would be highly um, unusual, uh, to say the least. Uh, the, the way they presented their impeachment, uh, articles of impeachment, uh, and, and we'll, I'll try to do a show on this, uh, hopefully later this week. I know today's Thursday, but hopefully tomorrow I might do a, I'll get a show done real quick on this one, at least a podcast, uh, about the, how they presented it and what the Trump lawyers are actually saying. Um, and there's still a lot of people are talking about the unconstitutionality of it. Uh, even though there's elitist, uh, con uh professors who are uh, supposedly constitutional scholars, that say, well, absolutely, we can do this. And the problem is uh, the uh, Constitution is very clear on the language that you cannot do this once the president or any official actually leaves office. Now, if they actually committed a crime crime, uh, something like a felony or something, then uh, there's, there is an argument for going after them criminally. Uh, but there again, you don't normally do that to somebody who is already in office unless it was, you know, unless it was a really bad crime. And I'm not defending anybody. I'm just saying uh, about that. Now, he goes, uh, uh, Mr. Greenfield goes on to say on here, once upon a time, impeachments were rare things. These days, Democrats are considered truly progressive, uh, aren't considered truly progressive. They don't impeach a Republican president twice in one term. President Trump is back in Florida but that won't stop Democrats from impeaching him anyway before they move on to impeaching the presidents like Washington and Lincoln, whose statutes, uh, statues, uh, their insur insurrectionist mobs were toppling all summer and fall back when the insurrection was still cool. Uh, when asked how he defines unity, Joe Biden, with the help of three teleprompters and a small staff of communicating uh, a small staff communicating with him in his earpiece uh, and a series of uh, frantic signals and hoots explain that if you pass a piece of legislation that breaks down on party lines, but it gets passed, it doesn't mean there wasn't unity. It just means it wasn't bipartisan. And, and I'm stopped reading there. This is what we've come to expect out of our uh, stumbler in chief. 
rumbling, stumbling, bumbling Joe Biden, right, uh, with these answers. Uh, if it's not bipartisan, there is no unity. And, to ch- and, and this is what leftist regressives are good at. They would like to change the definition of words. They really like to change the definition of words. They like to add things like to the Constitution because that's the way they think things should be. And, and this is the way it was meant to be or that the framers meant it to be and not exactly what was written down. But I digress. Um, like most ideas that travel the securitist route between his, his handlers, his brain, and his mouth, it may be impossible to understand what Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. said, but it's pretty clear that the senile uh, hack ruling a city under the shadow of military occupation and political terror meant. Unity is when Democrats get their way. Unity is when no one opposes them. Unity is when they terrorize their political opposition into submitting and keeping their mouths shut. Or as Speaker Pelosi put it, I don't think it's very unifying to say, oh, let's just forget it and move on. That's not how you unify. How do you unify? The same very the same way very great democratic people, people's regime did from France to Russia to China to San Francisco with show trials and purges of the enemies of the people. Nothing says unity like a city full of barbed wire and soldiers, not to mention a one-party system that is obsessed with criminalizing its political opposition using a fake state of emergency. Now, I'm going to stop the reading there and just sort of concentrate on on everything, the last few points that were made here in the article here. Um, Unity, unity for the Democrats is that they get their way. Unity for the Democrats is when no one opposes them. Unity for the Democrats is when they terrorize their political opposition into submitting and keeping their mouth shut. You know, like, Judges were intimidated right after the election. Law firms were intimidated in not taking the cases of uh, President Trump and and the election fraud. Uh, Unity in in all these, most, I'm not going to say all businesses, but a lot of mom and pop businesses are run conservatively. Whether they're conservatives or not, they're run conservatively. So unity to Democrats is when you terrorize all these these small business people in these cities out in Portland and Seattle for uh, and, and Detroit and the riots in Philadelphia is another one I might be missing some other ones but uh, you know that you, you get my point uh, where they they used antifa and BLM to, to scare their opponents into uh, keeping their mouth shut um, unity of the Democrats is actually projecting, who they actually are as a party onto their political opponents. And what I'm talking about is white supremacy. I'm talking about the KKK. I'm talking about fascism. And and that last one, fascism. Folks, if you want, I don't think you can find a better definition for fascism than what we've seen out of the Biden administration so far. They just had a vote along party lines to strip uh, Representative Green of her committee assignments. And, and that 
as far as I know, has never been done. Not saying it can't. I mean, the, the House and the Senate can set their own rules. Not saying it can't. But it is very, very unusual to do so. And there again, all the rhetoric that's coming out of the House uh, from different folks, and, I, and even on the Senate, anybody that supported Donald Trump, we need to, as, as I found out on Facebook, we need to steamroll them. You know, these Republicans, they're, they're, they're nasty. Their, their ideas are dangerous and shouldn't even have a public airing. You know, and it's their judgment on this. It's the Democrats' judgment on this that this happens. So that's unity to the Democrats. And to say during this, and he's talking about the impeachment here in this article here, but to say, like Nancy's Pelosi, I don't think it's very unifying to say, oh, let's just forget it and move on. Um, no, but it is very constitutional. You had your chance. You didn't get it done in time. And you weren't going to get it done in time. And you didn't have any evidence, none whatsoever, that President Trump incited any riot. Every day there's more and more evidence coming out that if you look, watch the videos, the Capitol Police pretty much ushered these folks into the Capitol building. Uh, there are at least, and I've heard, I'm, I'm, I'm still doing the research trying to find out who all was in the Capitol building as far as Democrats, but there's more than a handful or so of Democrats who were in among those that were causing all this commotion, and the Capitol Police did nothing. You watch the videos, it was almost like they were interviewing and interviewing the folks that were in the Capitol, you know, either in the rotunda or sitting in the 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 House of Representatives in the chairs and stuff like that. They're just, hey, you okay? You need anything? You know, yada, 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 instead of slapping handcuffs on them and escorting them out of the building. That was the Capitol Police. But there was, there's no evidence that President Trump incited any riot, none in his speeches. And even if he was lying, which he wasn't about voter fraud, even if he was lying about voter fraud, that's, that is not incitement to riot. You know, people can find these lies out pretty quick. And, I'm, and, and trust me, I tell you, I'm, I'm doing a podcast. It, it's not going to be this week. It's going to be next week because I'm still reading all the articles about the voter fraud that actually did take place and that actually did overturn the results of the election. Uh, but this, you know, uh, getting back to the impeachment, we just, we just can't forget this and move on. That's not how you unify. No, but you unify by show trials. You unify by trying to purge Republicans from the House. That was part of the, that, they were trying to get uh, Representative Green removed from the House of Representatives. Uh, but they knew that wasn't going to fly, so they just stripped her of, of her committee meetings. Uh, okay, you know, she, she isn't on a committee. You know, she's still in the House, and that doesn't mean she can't be on a committee. Uh, you know, if, they only stripped her from being on committees on the two committees she was on. You know, a couple months from now, the Republicans could put her on a couple more committees and they'll have to go through this whole thing all over again. But my point is the Democrats do not want unity. That's what they say they want, but their actions speak louder than words. They, their type of unity is, is to, for, you to, for everybody just to kowtow and to fall down and do what they say, not as they do, 
to fall down and do as they say, not as they do. So that's, that's, that's Joe Biden's unity. Now, I have an article here from the Federalist. Let me get back up. To, this is a long article. It's 10 pages. I'm not going to get into the whole thing. It's, it's by uh, Joy Pullman, 10 Steps for Resisting the Joe Biden's, or Joe Biden's Order to Transgender Public Schools. Now, this is hap- there's a big, huge ruckus happening out in Montana, of all states. And it's between Mo- the Montana legislature and the American Civil Liberties Union. Okay, and I'll just read and I'll read through this and I'm just going to quickly go over a couple things that the state legislature can do and a couple things that that individuals can do to to resist uh, this Joe Biden's transgender order about allowing boys to uh, boys or girls to be in the other person's sport and other person's locker room, you know, the other the other gender's locker room, folks. On this program, there's only two genders. There's male and female, and the rest of them are mental disorders. And I'm not saying that tongue-in-cheek. I'm not, cheek. I'm not saying that to be cruel to anybody. I'm just laying the facts out as they are. The American Civil Liberties Union is threatening to sue Montana if it passes a bill that would require publicly funded education institutions to designate sports teams according to their participants' sex. The Save the Women's Sport Act would allow for male, female, and co-ed teams, but not for males to participate on teams designated for females. On the basis of Joe Biden's executive order demanding that all publicly funded institutions transgender transgender all sex-based activities and facilities, the Supreme Court's Bostick versus Clayton County decision both the Montana chapter of the American Civil Liberties Union and the national organization promised to sue uh, Montana if it passes any law recognizing that men and women are different. Bostock claims the word sex also means gender identity in federal law forbidding discrimination based on sex, although the concept of gender identity did not exist when the law was passed and it is logically in- incompatible with the reality of sex. Montana House Bill 6138 on January 26 or 27, excuse me, um, or passed that bill and sent it to the state Senate. Uh, writer Abigail uh, Schreier highlighted the ACL's threat to the Mont to Montana on Twitter, and I have a bunch of these 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 uh, tweets down here, and you'll see them in the article. Basically. The ACLU is saying you're going to lose $484 million in federal funding for your schools and everything if you go through with this. And uh, the legislature doesn't seem to care about this. And this is something This is something we'll get into some of the things we can do as, as state legislatures and also as individuals uh, about, the, about the federal government's overreach. And this, this let me back, back the horse up just a second. I am a constitutionalist. I believe in the Constitution. And I believe it says what it says. I believe there are enumerated powers in the Constitution that the federal government is not allowed to go past. This issue here, I, I can, I can go, I can probably spend a whole day talking about different issues and different things that the federal government does that's unconstitutional. But this about transgenderism and and the President of the United States signing an executive order is well beyond his or her in the future constitutional 
mandate, period. There's nothing in the Constitution that gives the president or the legislature or the judiciary the authority to mandate anything along these lines with, with, with transgenderism. Nothing. Especially a president signing these executive orders. There's nothing in there in the Constitution that allows the president to do this. It's unconstitutional. He can sign executive orders all day, all day long that he wants, as long as it pertains to him carrying out the laws that pertain to, that pertain to the executive branch or that the, the Congress has given him. But Congress can't give him any authority or, or pass any laws that aren't based in constitutional enumerated powers. None. So this whole this whole point is unconstitutional on its face. And I wish somebody would argue this. I, I really wish somebody a little bit better educated than myself and, and possibly more intelligent than myself would argue some of these things on the basis of constitutionality from the federal government. And they're not. But anyway, it goes on in the article here. Joy goes on this article here about and sharing these tweets uh, from from all these people from uh, the um, this Chase Strangio. I'm not even sure he's trans. He's, he or she is supposed to be transgender. Said it will sue you if you pass HB 113. You'll have to pay, you know, violations of Title IX could result in the loss of federal funding over $450 million. And honestly, folks, in, in most, I don't know about Montana, but in most states' budgets, a loss of $450 million isn't that much. You know, not when you're talking about billions and billions and billions of dollars. And I know that's you're, you're approaching a half a billion dollars, but should the states be actually taking money from the federal government to educate our children? You know, that's a that's a huge carrot stick that the federal government has over states is all this federal funding that they, they send back to the states. And most of it isn't even from the taxpayer dollar. A lot of it's borrowed money that they're holding over the heads of states. OK. <sighs> Carpe diem conservatives or seize the day, if you don't know what that means. Republican state legislature should realize that a huge boon it is for them to to be cast as the only thing standing between transgender totalitarians like the national ACLU and the voters of Montana. This is an excellent opportunity for them to fundraise and push Montana long a purple state into redder territory for years to come. Opposition to transgenderism is a bipartisan wedge issue that plays well for Republicans who are willing to earn more votes and stronger voter loyalty by effectively standing for human rights and sexual sanity. Now, let me stop the presses here real quick. I hate it when it's framed this way. Because the Republicans have long been thought to be the party of pro-life. And at least twice in recent memory, the, the Republicans have had the House, the Senate, and the White House under their control, and did nothing, did nothing to end the horrible situation of, of abortion, the national sin of abortion. So 
for these to be used as wedge issues, because that's exactly what the Republicans were doing with abortion. It was a wedge issue so they could get votes. They weren't doing what was right. They were doing what was politically expedient. And whenever I hear that term wedge issue, I think of the same thing. So be careful with this, folks. Be very, very careful about this, okay? In Montana, the majority of even Democrat voters don't buy the ridiculous idea that men and women are fair sports competitors or that a man can turn into a woman. Most Montana Democrats vote blue because they are blue-collar, not for ridiculous white-collar leftist ideology uh, to inflict to infect their lives and ruin their communities uh, after school fun. This is not a theoretical or small-time debate, even if almost no transgender males join female sports teams, or if the ones who do rarely beat the many women. It's about getting people to kiss the ring and pretend they believe that they know what they know is false. It's about subjugating people's understanding of reality to prepare society for increased totalitarianism. And that's exactly what we're having here. When you have threats from a private group, the ACLU, and other transgenders saying, we're going to sue you, you're going to lose all this money, well, good. Let's get rid of Let's get rid of the Department of Education on the federal level. Let's get rid of all this federal money going to the states to educate our children. We can do it better, and we can do it cheaply if we get them out of public schools. And, and you know what? One of the things that the, the, this uh, pandemic, or I should say the response to the pandemic has shown, is that parents, are their eyes are being opened up to what their children are actually being taught, and they're not real happy about it. They're not real happy about it. Now, she goes on, talks about a few other things down here. Um, now, Ryan Anderson, uh, I'm going to have him on my next article here. She has a, a little blurb about him. As Ryan Anderson points out, and this is in another, this is an article uh, that I'm going to be reading, uh, Religious Liberty Isn't Enough, children feeling discomfort with their body shouldn't be told the lie that they're trapped in the wrong body, nor should adults pump them full of puberty-blocking drugs and cross-sex hormones. If decent people and public officials such as Bostic author Justice Neil Gorsuch and Senate Republicans are un, unable to successfully defend and advocate obvious truths like these to end pub, publicly funded child mutilation, our civilization is over. Now, let me read this again. This is, a, this is something, and I'm going to talk about this in my next article a little bit. Uh, this is by Ryan T. Anderson. Children feeling discomfort with their bodies shouldn't be told the lie that they're trapped in the wrong body, nor should adults pump them full of puberty-blocking drugs and cross-sex hormones. If decent people and public officials, such as Bostic author uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch and Senate Republicans, are unable to successfully defend and advocate obvious truths like these to end publicly funded child mutilation, our civilization is over. Amen. If, if, if we keep going down this path and allowing the leftist orthodoxy to rule the day, our civilization is over, folks. We will no longer be the United States of America. We'll be a hollow shadow of ourselves, if at all, if, if history even remembers us. Okay? 
What can state legislatures do? Real quick, I'm going to get into a couple of these things here. The only way any president can claim to demand that public schools affirm an obvious lie is that public schools uh, get about 10 cents of every dollar they spend through the federal, uh, through federal Every Student Succeeds Act, uh, the successor to the No Child Left Behind. Without this money, no president could impose insane ideas on American schools, whether the idea is transgender showers, critical race theory, anti-American history, or common core. So congressional Republicans need to pledge to voters that if they are ever to regain Congress, they will pass the A-plus Act or something even stronger to block grant states' education funds back to them with no federal strings attached. In the meantime, state legislatures should follow this general strategy to end any president's ability to humiliate their citizens by forcing them to pretend men and women are interchangeable. Here's one way state legislatures can do it. One, commission a study, and I I, I love this first one. Commission a study on, well, that's actually many points on this first one. Uh, Commission a study on federal funding. Any fair study will find that federal funds cost more than they bring in. In compliance, funding federal lobbyists priorities instead of uh, funding federal lobbyist priorities instead of local priorities, memberships in public-private organizations that exist to launder federal funds, reorienting state money from state priorities to federal priorities, and etc. Use the results of the study to reject federal education funding. If legislatures have cojones, They should also refuse to collect the taxes from state residents to fund the U.S. Department of Education based on the annual ESSA funding formula. Let the feds come get their extortion money on their own. Your state doesn't have to assist the mafia government. Uh, The third point underneath this, do, do a complete overhaul of the state's education bureaucracy and funding to reorient it towards local needs. Acts all state regional and local bureaucracies who purposes launder federal money and promote compliance with federal priorities. And folks, I'm going to stop at that point. If states would just get rid of the state bureaucracies and go back to the local boards of education, it would be, we wouldn't need to spend near the money. Governor Wolf in Pennsylvania is talking about increasing taxes, the personal income tax on a certain group of people earning over a certain amount of money to spend it on education. He's not spending on education. It's going to go to, to prop up the bureaucracies that have crept, crept up from, from the federal to the state to regional. Instead of, honestly, folks, go back to the boards of education. Get rid of the state bureaucracies and all this stuff. I mean, it just... All it does, all it does, is it's self-feeding. It just keeps going and going and going. And investigate the needs of poor and special needs children, whether they are being met with the state funds allocated to them. If you find they are not, as a result, sponsor and pass education savings accounts for these children. Expand these these accounts to all children in the state on the grounds that no public school should be allowed to hold children hostage to ideology their parents don't want. And he goes, and she go, Joy goes on down through there and talks more about it. What can individuals and their friends should do? Well, here's a game plan to help motivate your state legislature, local school board, state school board, local athletic organizations, and others to stand up for reality, truth, women, girls, boys, and men. 
Montana should not be the only state legislature passing this kind of law. They all should. Every single school district and college should be pressured not to allow rapey situations like boys co-sleeping with girls in their, or co- I don't know. I don't know if she meant to type that in there, but uh, I should say cohabitating girls in their own showers. One, you need to get the facts. Print a copy of Biden's executive order. Circle and highlight the most pertinent portions and create a cheat sheet. And th- she's actually done this in here. So so do this. Get get on that and do this. Uh, it talks about the, the uh, Bostic decision, laying groundwork for Biden's order and following similar reasonings. Two, analyze the power structure. Uh, you and your friends and local political allies need to find every single public and private official in your sphere of influence who will be affected by this order and underlying Supreme Court decision. Find and write down each one's name, contact information, and constituents in a spreadsheet or word processing document and include in a column. Now she goes down through there and talks about this and you can find, she tells you how to find this, but we need to analyze the power structure. And it's a long list. You can go down through amass and join local activists. Now that you have a list of people to reach out to, you need to need people to handle outreach to them with your message. These can be your local political friends, members of local political or religious groups you are part of, whether you can find Uh, who is willing to put some time into this. Uh, Four, pressure every leader. We are the sovereign citizens of the United States. Government answers to us, not the other way around. We need to pressure our political leaders. We need to pressure our civic and community leaders, okay? Publicize what you learn. Publicize what you learn. And, folks, I'm going to try to take this to heart myself. I've been working on something like this, and and she sort of, Joy sort of laid things out a little bit better for me, and I've been pushing my state rep and my state senator on election reform, you know, repealing that stupid uh, uh, Act 77 um, with the mail-in ballot, stuff like that, but, you know, I've been doing that, but I haven't done a lot on my, like, I live out in Snydertown, we do have a, a mayor and that, but I don't, uh, they're not able to do much, but we have county commissioners. I'm going to start pressuring them. And uh, plus, I also have a YouTube. I have this podcast I'm doing so we can publicize what we what we learn. Uh, number six, have an end game for favorable responses. You need to have a planned response to every likely reaction you'll face when canvassing public officials. Plan ahead for what your team will do when someone responds favorably Ask him to use their authority to push back on Biden's illicit. And she goes on down to talk about that. But have an end game, not only for favorable responses, but you need to also you need to also address the unfavorable responses too. Okay. And those are the, the six we can do, and there was four that she had up at the at the, the, the government level. And again, these articles there the, the links are going to be up in the show notes page. And it's something we can we can all aspire to do, folks. We need, even though, look, I'm not a Republican. I'm a, I'm a constitutionalist, so I'm way out in the cold when it comes to politics. But that doesn't mean I can't be active in politics, okay? 
And it doesn't mean that you can't be active in politics either. And it, and it takes more than just me. It takes more than just you. It takes, it, it takes a group of us that are like-minded individuals to push back against this horrible, horrible uh, leftist orthodoxy that's being forced on us. I mean, literally being forced on us. And it's just, it, it, it just makes me mad to no end. The, the, the ends that the leftist regressive Democrats are willing to go to to push this agenda. And, and folks, the end game of this agenda is to destroy the United States of America, period. There's no other reason for doing this. There's no, for transgenderism, there's no medical reason to be pushing that. Matter of fact, it is considered to be a mental health issue. It's considered to be a mental health issue. With everything else I talked about in this program, you know, about the impeachment, about them wanting to steamroll the Republicans, want them to sit down and shut up because they're in the majority now and they know what's best for us. Even though, and I hate to have to say this, and, and I sound like a broken record sometimes to my friends, but you look at every Democrat-run state, you look at every Democrat-run city, or municipality, and see how bad they're being run. I live in Pennsylvania. We are more or less a purple state, although in the state legislature, we got them outnumbered in both the Senate and the House by a pretty good margin. We still have a Democrat governor and his administration. You have to try to get uh, stuff passed through. And unless you compromise your principles, you won't get your stuff passed through. And we can see how bad Pennsylvania has been run over the years. Over the response to the pandemic, the majority of our deaths came from nursing homes. Guess who gave that order besides Tom Wolf? Rachel Levin. Or Ricky. <laughs> He's. <laughs> I can't believe. Well, I guess I can. I guess I can believe Biden nominated him for the assistant, uh, you know, number two person uh, in our health, in the, in the federal health system, which we're not supposed to have either constitutionally. Uh, what a mess they left. She left or he left or it, it's a, he, he's a man pretending to be a woman. Okay. This Dr. Levin, what a mess they, sh that he left Pennsylvania with the nursing homes. We had far more, the majority of deaths in Pennsylvania were due to the nursing homes. And he, he pulled his mother out of the nursing home, put him in a hotel before that order came out. What a scoundrel. What an absolute scoundrel, folks. So it's, it, it, everything that's being done now is, is for the detriment of the United States. They want to remake the United States because they never thought it was great to begin with. Uh, yes, we had a uh, national sin of slavery. That was corrected. Uh, the Democrats had done had done everything before the Civil War to make slavery or to have slavery continue. They did everything in their power to keep the black families down with Jim Crow laws, the KKK, the white supremacy that they had in their party, up to and including the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which not a single Democrat voted for. Matter of fact, we were talking about filibusters today. Get rid of filibusters. The, the Democrats held one of the longest 
filibusters in the history of our nation over trying to stop the Civil Rights Act. And then they come up with this this uh, Southern, or uh, the, um, not so, I was going to say uh, uh, the big switch. I was going to say Southern strategy, but that wasn't, that was a different thing. The big switch. The Republicans and the Democrats switched parties for some reason. No, they didn't. That was, a, that was another lie the Democrat parties tried to tell everybody. And, and, and there are a lot of people believe that today. There's a lot of things Democrats say that, aren't, that just aren't so. They just aren't so. All right, last article, real quick. It's an opinion piece by Ryan T. Anderson. He, he penned this on um, January 31st. Religious liberty isn't enough. And I'll read a little bit of it, and you, you should get the gist of it. President Biden's pledge to heal and unify seems to mean giving the far left everything it demands in the culture wars. Conservatives, therefore, must resist. Yet in doing so, we must avoid the trap of framing every debate as if it was about religious liberty. Religious liberty is important, but it's only part of the story. As the Biden administration advances a de uh, div divisive and extreme social agenda, our response can't simply be a polite request to be left alone. We need to oppose the left's agenda on the, on the merits. It's the principal thing to do, and it will and it will be good politics given where the American people actually are on the issues. Take Mr. Biden's decision to overturn Mexico City policy and call for the repeal of the Hyde Amendment. Those policies long prevented taxpayers from funding and thus being complicit in elective abortions overseas and at home. But protecting pro-life people's rights to dissent isn't the most important reason to oppose abortion funding. The complicity matters because killing unborn babies is profoundly unjust. Conservatives' refusal to fund abortions communicates that message, which is why the left has turned against popular consensus to oppose the Hyde Amendment, including Mr. Biden, who caved to pressure after supporting Hyde for 40 years. Or consider Mr. Biden's approach to gender ideology. Transgender equality is the civil right issue of our time. There's no room for compromise when it comes to the basic human rights. This is what Biden said. By his own admission, he's not looking for common ground. He reflected in his day one executive order directing that all citizens, including children, be recognized by their declared gender in federal law. Conservatives have no choice but to push back. And here, too, the terrain is to defend is not simply primarily about religious liberty or religion at all. Children feeling discomfort with their body shouldn't be told the lie that they're trapped in the wrong body, nor should adults pump them full of puberty-blocking drugs and cross-sex hormones. Doing so is unethical medicine, a violation of the bodily integrity of children, whether or not those kids or their parents or doctors are religious. Likewise, for preserving female athletics, secular and religious high school girls are equally interested in the fair competition that is undermined when boys who identify as girls compete against girls. And it isn't only church-going girl, girls who prefer not to share showers and locker rooms with boys. The main reason for separation is not religious qualms, but biology. The left would love to frame these issues if, as if they pitted reason and science against superstition. But on all of these issues, social conservatives are on the side of the biological facts. The, and let me stop, stop there just for a second. 
religion is not superstition. I know he's not saying that. It's He's framing it as the, the Democrats would actually frame this argument. But on all these issues, social conservatives are on the side of the biological facts. The Democrat Party and the left are the science deniers. To be sure, Christians believe the historic religious teachings on these issues or anything are anything but superstitious. The scientific point of view confirms the biblical teaching that humans are created male and female. It requires no faith to know that a boy who identifies as a girl isn't one and shouldn't be allowed in private female spaces. Likewise, although Christians believe all people are made in God's image, it requires no faith to see that an unborn child is a child. Even atheists post ultrasound images of their kids. When they shoot off pink confetti at a gender reveal, they reveal that they know biological sex isn't assigned at birth. It's time to make the left follow the science. Conservatives shouldn't frame these as sectarian religious issues, uh, litigating them purely in terms of religious liberty. Even when it makes sense to argue these issues as a matter of religious liberty, conservatives shouldn't pretend to be agnostic about the truth of our perspective. We will or will have the best shot at winning fights over abortion restrictions or child sex change procedures when conservatives are willing to assert that their beliefs are true, not merely protected in law. Lawyers will have to make specific, specifically legal arguments rooted in the First Amendment, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and the Separation of Powers, or the Administrative Procedure Act, none of which turn on the truth of the belief seeking protection but but the rest of us need to speak like lawyers if we fail to fight back in the court of public opinion against a claim that our beliefs are bigoted we will ultimately lose even in courts of law where the soundness of our beliefs is supposedly irrelevant if basic truths of human nature are redefined as religious bigotry they will be exercised from society in court and out the reality is that there is a culture war in the U.S. and conservatives aren't the aggressors. While the moniker culture warrior seems to be applied only to those on the right, we aren't the ones who imposed abortion on demand up to and even during birth, forced Catholic nuns to pay for abortion offense, redefined marriage, harassed evangelical bakers, or declared it unlawful discrimination to refuse to put a confused child on puberty-blocking drugs. These salvos came from the left. Conservatives have been playing defense. But a strategy based on a religious liberty won't work in the long run. Americans need to figure out how to coexist peacefully on these issues. But the answer isn't for our side to forfeit the fight about the truth by pleading only to be left alone. Mr. Anderson is president of the Ethics and Public Policy Center, and he's also a very well-educated man. that's my commentary on that. And I did, I did a, a, a video about this a while ago. It's on, on YouTube about the, have we lost a culture war? And um, I believe it was by Brad Harab. And he said about the same thing. You know, we as, we as Christians, we don't always have to argue everything from the standpoint of religion. We, we don't. And, and nor should we to a bunch of secular humanists because they're not going to understand the religious arguments to begin with. I'm not saying they're not valid. I'm just saying they're not, 
they have no clue what they are. And as soon as they hear the word religion, then no matter what else you say to them, just goes in one ear and out the other. Of course, there's a lot of things on these uh, that, that involve leftist orthodoxy and those that adhere to it that go in one ear and out the other. Uh, and it's not just about religion. Uh, science is another one. <laughs> they, they call Republicans and conservatives uh, science deniers when they're the ones that are denying science. And I've always, depending, and I always sort of take the temperature of the room when I'm talking about abortion, but if I suspect you're, you're a secular humanist, I, I will not and cannot argue abortion from the standpoint of religion. Although that's what informs me, my belief in God, the Bible, his word, Jesus Christ, the whole thing. It informs my opinion. It's not my only part of my opinion. I, I normally attack it from a science standpoint. And, and they can't deny it. They try to. They can't deny it. Uh, they, they, uh, I mean, scientists, there's been a lot of scientists that come out and said that uh, um, life does begin at conception because soon as the, the, as soon as the egg is fertilized by, by the sperm, then, then it starts splitting, and that's when life actually begins. It starts to grow. And what they want to do is reframe, you know, those that are pro-abortion, they want to reframe the argument, well, it's not a viable life, it's just a fetus, it's not a child. And, and all those arguments can easily be debunked. Now, I'll let you in on a secret, they're not going to listen to you on these, on these debunking arguments. At least most of them will not listen to you, you know, because they think that you're the science denier. And no matter what you do, you're not going to turn their minds around. All you can do is, like we say in the gospel, all we can do is plant the seed. Maybe someone down the road that's a little more persuasive or, or closer to them has the same ideas that, that I have or you have and talk to them, and they might take it to heart then. But a perfect stranger, they, uh, to be honest with you, I haven't had much luck uh, persuading somebody, but... They darn sure know where I stand on these issues. Whether it comes to impeachment, whether it comes to voter fraud, whether it comes to transgenderism, whether it comes, whatever, whatever the, the, the leftist orthodoxy is, they know exactly where I stand, and that's where we need to be. They don't need to be guessing where we stand, folks. And I'm talking, I'm talking to a lot of Christians here, too. They don't need to be guessing where we stand. If, if, if you're a right-thinking Christian, a godly Christian, you cannot be for abortion. You cannot be for this idea that there's more than two genders. And if you are, we need to sit down and talk about that from the Bible. If you're professing to be a Christian, we need to sit down and talk, to, talk about that from the Bible perspective. If you voted... And I'll just say this, folks, and I know it makes some people mad because I have some friends that are members of the Church of Christ that voted for Biden. If you voted for Biden, you're wrong. If you voted Democrat, you're wrong. Now, some of them, some of them told me why they voted that way, and it is mostly because of the uh, social services that the the Democrats, you know, give out. You know, they want to protect. You know, like. Uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and, you know, these insurances and stuff like that. And that's not enough, folks. 
that's not enough to support. Uh, matter of fact, when it comes to supporting people, I have a couple of issues, and one of them is abortion, that's a non-starter. As a Christian, it's a non-starter. If you support abortion, I don't, I don't care how good the rest of your platform is. It could be totally constitutional right down the line. And I would agree with you 100% on the rest of your platform. But if you support the killing of an innocent child in the womb, I can't support you. I cannot support you. Same way with transgenderism. You, if you support transgenderism and you're 100% constitutional down the line, you agree with me on everything else, but you say there's more than two sexes and the Bible says there's only two, I cannot stand with you. Matter of fact, I will oppose you on that. And the same thing with fraud, the same thing with lying. I'm talking about the election fraud that went on. So I'm talking about here in Pennsylvania. That's where I've been really concentrating you know, my efforts as far as looking into things. You, you, you just can't convince me that there wasn't. When, there, when, when there's video, there's the changing of the laws here in Pennsylvania, lying and cheating is wrong. And if you support lying and cheating, but you get everything else right constitutionally or, or whatever, I, I will oppose you. I cannot abide by that. Now, am I perfect in this line and cheating stuff? No, but it's not a habit of mine. It's not a habit of mine. You know, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But the difference between a saved Christian and a non-saved person is, a saved Christian, do we fall from time to time? Absolutely. I'd be lying to you if I, if I said otherwise. But it's not our habit to do so. It's not our habit in life to be following these things. So folks, remember. Remember, we, we need to stand up against the leftist orthodoxy. We need to do it with love. We need to do it with kindness, but we need to be kind of forceful about it. Not, I won't say even kind of. We need to be forcible about it, folks. We need to let people, when they walk away from us, they need to understand that, he doesn't hate me, but I darn sure know where he stands. And, may, and, and let them make the decision whether they're going to keep in contact with you or not. I don't want to drive anybody away, but I don't want anybody walking away under false pretenses of knowing where I stand on issues. And, and neither should you. You shouldn't do that either. Well, folks, this has been the Dan Clemens Show. I'm your host, Dan Clemens, your constitutional warrior. I enjoyed doing this podcast with you. Remember, this is episode 990. I'm getting closer. Ten more, and I'll be at my thousand uh, over my short career. Um, remember, folks, just, just if you don't remember anything in your life, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time, folks. I pray... I pray that you live right, do right, think right, and also speak right. We'll see you on the next podcast, folks.